0: I love love. I do. I love talking about it. I love expressing it. I love receiving it from my wife. I love love. And so when we felt like the Lord was leading us uh, to have this uh, time set aside for a marriage series called Tighten the Knot... Uh, We just began to get excited. I'm going to let you in on how some of this preparation goes. I wish you could have been in some of our meetings, especially among the teaching team and the creative team. So you're going to get to hear from Pastor Dan and Pastor Brad in this series. But let me tell you, we would get so excited in these meetings where we're preparing to talk about love and marriage and relationships. So here's, here's Brad Cooper, excited Brad Cooper, athlete Brad Cooper, college athlete Brad Cooper. Brad gets so excited when God reveals something to him that he literally tries to break his own bones in his fist. And he'll he'll take his fist and go, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And then he'll like pound it down on the desk and he's like, we're gonna crush this. And you know that Brad just wants to go hit somebody on a football field. He just wants to lay them out. Now, Dan Leanne, let me tell you what Dan does. When Dan gets excited, and, and we had so many moments as we were praying and preparing for this, Dan gets up, and if y'all watch Dan when he preaches, Dan likes to move. When Dan gets fired up, he likes to kind of dance around. You can tell he used to break dance back in Australia. And then when Dan gets really excited, not only does he like to kind of bounce around a little bit, Dan will, um, and this is my best. this is my best effort to show you, A golf swing, because I've only played golf once in my life, and I hated it, and I hope I never have to do it again. Dan will actually begin to work on his golf swing, that was baseball, golf swing. We had so many moments where we would pause in the middle of a meeting, and we would just look at each other and say, this is what God wants for our church right now. There were moments where the hair on the back of my neck would stand up. The palpable presence of the Holy Spirit was so obvious as he was preparing our hearts and our hearts as a church for what God is going to do in these next few weeks. You don't want to miss it. Let me start off by saying that this series is a marriage series, but there's something for everybody because when you talk about marriage, you're obviously talking about relationships. And the name of our series is Tighten the Knot. And here's how we want to begin this series. By saying this, anyone can tie the knot. And tying the knot is this cultural phrase that we use to describe getting married. So across all of our campuses right now, would you simply raise up a hand if you have ever tied the knot in a marriage? Just raise it up, or if you are currently still in that knot called marriage. Okay, you can put your hands down. It's a pretty good majority of our campuses all across our state have tied the knot. And honestly, anyone can tie the knot. I have a friend uh, who works in construction and he was telling me once of all the different uh, classes you have to take, all of the different permits you have to pull, all of the different things you have to do to become a licensed and bonded uh, worker in the construction field... And to get married, really all you have to do is go get some blood work and get a license. Okay, so anyone can tie the knot. What we want to do is we want to take you to the next step. We want you to tighten the knot. Tying the knot is great, but we want you to tighten the knot. Um, My boys and my wife got me a really great Christmas present this year. They got me a pair of basketball shoes Kyrie High Tops. Kyrie is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving used to play for the Cleveland, um, I almost said the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was a teammate with LeBron James. He was recently traded to the Boston Celtics. We're a basketball family, and I play basketball. I'm 45, but I want you to know I can still get up and down the court with a bunch of 20-year-olds. I'm not any good, but I like to sweat on them. And so my kids and my wife bought me a pair of basketball shoes for Christmas, and I just broke them in recently, and this past week on Wednesday morning, we walked into the gym and there are all these men around my age, middle age, I call it the Advil age, we have to take a couple of Advil before you play an hour of full court basketball, and you could see all these men, they're putting on their shoes and they're tying the knots. And it occurred to me on Wednesday morning that when you tie something with a knot, You're trying to protect something that's valuable. And so marriage is a valuable and important thing. But if you play long enough in a pair of shoes, you can't just depend on that knot you tied years ago to hold your foot You've got to go back and tighten the knot again. And for so many of us in America, we have put all of our effort and all of our energy and we put all of our work into tying the knot. And it seems as if for many people in our culture, once the knot is tied, we forget about the knot and we just assume that that knot is going to hold forever. And we forget about tightening the knot once it has been tied. I'll prove it to you with just two um, funny statistics. The average wedding in America now costs $32,000. Now, full disclosure, in 1999, when Shari and I got married, our wedding cost way less than that. So if our wedding only cost about $10,000, that means that there had to be another wedding that cost about $50,000 to offset our $10,000 wedding. That's a lot of money. The average wedding in America now costs $32,000. That means people put a lot of emphasis and importance on tying the knot on wedding day. This was another one that I thought was really interesting. The average engagement ring costs $6,000. Now, my, my... my man on the front row here went, what? <laughs> yeah, I paid $1,500 cash money for my, my wife's wedding ring. And I want you to know I made the jeweler cry. He literally shed tears. I got that ring for, I had, I had $1,000 in one pocket. I had $300 in another pocket. I had a $100 bill in this pocket, $100 bill in this pocket, because I'm all about wheeling and dealing. What's up? $6,000 for an engagement ring. Now, here's the funny thing about preaching a marriage series like this. You know, we, we did a Facebook Live on Friday night. We've been uh, peppering social media. We've been making announcements, great video that let everybody know where we're going. Well, once word gets out that you're doing a marriage series, everybody wants to tell you something that you need to say, especially guys, especially older guys. They've all got marriage jokes they want you to tell. <laughs> and some of y'all are laughing because you know them too. So speaking of the, uh, the ring... Y'all know about the three rings in marriage, right? The three rings? Not the three ring circus, though that is also appropriate. There are three rings. There is the engagement ring. There is the wedding ring. And then there is the suffer ring. (laughs) Don't blame me. Somebody else gave me that one. Oh, I got a better one. You ready? Just trying to, try to break the ice here a little bit. You know that there are three seasons of sexual intimacy in marriage. And don't worry, some of you are like, oh, he's going to sex. No, 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 I'm keeping it PG. I'm keeping it completely rated PG. There are three seasons of sexual intimacy in marriage. When you first get married, it's tri weekly. <laughs> tri weekly. After kids come, it's tri weekly once a week and then after the kids are gone the nest is empty it's (laughs) tri-weekly come on people I am working hard up here you want one more don't you you know you do you know when you first get married your favorite food is the honeymoon salad (coughs) You know about the honeymoon salad, right? Let us alone. <laughs> no dressing. <laughs> Come on Jesus, bless your people right now. If you can't learn to laugh at marriage, you're going to cry a lot in marriage, right? So I'd rather be laughing than crying. <laughs> because we all know that when it comes to man, when it comes to marriage, You have good days and bad days. You have times when you laugh at each other, and you have times when you just want to give up. You have times where you look at your spouse and you can't believe how blessed you are to be married to them. And then you have other times where you thought to yourself, why did I ever do this? (laughs) So, what we want to do in this series is we want to just paint a picture for you that you are not alone in your struggles as a single college student. You're not alone in your struggle, in your struggles as a newlywed. You're not alone in, in, the, in the things that you face in your 30s or 40s. You've been divorced or maybe your marriage is just barely holding on and you don't know if it's going to make it. You're not alone and there is hope for you. Even if you've lost a spouse, God has not left you alone. God has given you relationships and friendships in the community called the church. This is going to be so good and so helpful for everybody that will show up on Sunday and get the goods that God's going to lay out before you. This is going to bless our church, but it's also going to bless our families for generations to come. Let me take you to the scripture and show you that in the Bible, Jesus had some things to say about marriage, and just for the sake of clarity, I'm only going to read from two passages today, and I want to take us first to Matthew chapter 19, as we learn how to tighten the knot. I want to show you that Jesus actually spoke to this, and he was actually quoting from the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 19, a conversation arises about marriage and divorce. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he departed from Galilee. And went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked him, "'Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds?' There's a lot of cultural reality going on here. In that culture, a man could divorce his wife if he gave her a certificate of divorce. For almost any reason at that point, a woman could never divorce her husband for any reason at all. That's just the way it was in those days. And the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus with a a, a crafty little question about divorce and Jesus responds in verse 4, haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning, he is referencing Genesis. He's referencing God making this entire world, creating a male and a female. Haven't you read that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? There is design in God's creativity when he created two genders, it's biological, but it's also emotional and spiritual. Two genders can create human life. God even, and this is, this is, I'm not trying to be crass, God even gave the physical ability and anatomy for male and female to procreate more image bearers of God on the earth. So from the very beginning, God made them male and female. And he also said, for this reason, what reason? Marriage. For this reason, what reason? Relationship. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Is there anything that screams tying the knot more clearly than that? Is there anything that screams tightening the knot more clearly than that? Shari and I were eating breakfast uh, two days ago, and she's working on a book project, and she was reading some stuff um, about this Genesis passage that we're going to look at in just a second. And and she brought this up from a commentary that in those days, in that culture, a man never left his parents to join with a wife. The girl always left her family and was included in the family of the male. But here we see two people completely different, uh, very, very selfish like we all are, very individualized. And what does God do? God ties a knot together. He takes a male and a female and he puts them together and says, this is my design. This is my idea. And it's good. And it's going to reflect my glory and it's going to reflect my gospel. And it's going to be a testimony to the world that the power of Jesus Christ in this kingdom can take two selfish, self-centered people and put them together where they learn to die to themselves and to live to Christ and love each other and serve each other and care for each other. And that is the way that God designed it. And then he says in verse six, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, what God has tied together, let no one separate. In other words, do not untie the knot that God has tied together. Do not untie this knot that God has purposefully declared as a good thing that He designed from His own creative mind at the very beginning of the human race. So, we want to teach you how to tighten that knot the knot that God puts together in marriage, where a man and a woman come together and they literally become one flesh. We want you to understand how important it is to tighten that knot. Let me show you the scripture quickly. That Jesus is referring to all the way at the beginning of time. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from Man, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. This is not just a creative title for a sermon series, my people. This is God's idea. God ties that knot, and then we get the opportunity by God's grace to tighten that knot. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Now, that obviously sounds strange to us because after the fall, we want to cover up our nakedness. But do you see how incredibly intimate the relationship was with the man and the wife in the garden at the very beginning? God tied the knot. And I wrote this in my notes. God, when God made the world, God immediately established a relationship with a man and a woman. And Satan immediately attacked it. Who are we to think that Satan would stop attacking marriage today if the very first institution he ever came against was the relationship between Adam and Eve. And if I could, I'm going to put down the clicker for a moment, and I'm just going to talk to you just for a second before we move along. And I want to speak this over us as a church. We've talked about this in our teams, and we've prayed about this, and I want to say this as clearly as I possibly can. We are here in this series to boldly, by the grace of God, Declare to our enemy, the devil, that he has no right or authority to a single marriage at New Spring Church. We are here to say with humility based on the gospel of Jesus Christ that if God created marriages and if God ties that knot, God wants us to keep those knots tightened and by the grace of God, New Spring Church is going to be a place where we see that happen and marriages are going to be restored and people who thought it was over are going to be amazed and there are some of you right now at one of our campuses thinking that it's already too late and I'm telling you, no it's not. Like the t-shirt that I've seen on TV, I've already said it, not today Satan, not tomorrow. Satan, not any time in the future, Satan. We are the people of God. This is the house of God, and we are His sons and daughters, and we are going to obey what God tells us in His Word. And by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, a dark cloud needs to be removed from our church because I'm sick and tired of getting phone calls from people who could be walking in freedom and abundance and overflow, and they're barely keeping their head above water because Satan has got them gutted over a marriage that God wants to bless. Let's get mad about it. This is not something we wink at and just nod at. This is something we should get literally fired up about. Satan has had enough access to our marriages and our church. The world is watching us. Our relationships matter because they reflect the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And Brad said this a few weeks ago. The kingdom of God grows at the speed of our sacrifice. And because Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross for us, his spirit living in us gives us the ability to lay down our rights and our privileges and our preferences for our wives and our husbands so that the world can see a true representation of who Jesus really is in his church. The marriages in our church will thrive, they will live, they will do more than survive. They are going to be a testimony to the world that the God we sing to on Sundays is real outside of our worship gatherings once we leave on Sunday. Is anybody going to agree to this? Let's get in alignment here. Let's get in agreement here. And let's quit being passive about it. And let's fight. Not each other. Though there are times for that as well. Let's do what God says to do. And let's anchor it in the word of God that marriage is not just, as some would say, a cultural invention to help us live in a very broken world. No, marriage was God's idea. And here's the thing about God's ideas. They're always smart and they always work. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, let's get some practical handles on this idea as we set the stage for this series and for the EXO conference coming up. I want to show you a few things that I hope will be helpful to you. The wedding is where you tie the knot. The wedding day is a beautiful day. It's an important day. And the wedding is where you tighten the knot. How many of you remember your wedding day? Can I see your hands at every campus? How many of you are happy about it? Keep your hands up. (laughs) Hey, some of you are honest. You're like, nope. (laughs) Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I remember our wedding day. Um, I'm not going to tell you all the details. It was a great day. Uh, today actually is our wedding anniversary. Shari is here in this service, and she's here with me with our two children. And Today is our wedding anniversary. Today we're celebrating 18 years, 9 months, and 17 days of marriage. Now, last week, Pastor Dan said that he and uh, Krista had just celebrated their 20th anniversary, and that on your 20th anniversary, you're supposed to give China uh, to your spouse. And of course, Dan said he was just going to take his shirt off and walk up to Kristen and say, you're welcome. Well, um, I'm coming up on my 19th anniversary, and, and I don't know about y'all, but I've just decided that 19's an important year. And so I am starting a brand new tradition in America that on your 19th wedding anniversary, you give your wife white chocolate, and I have nicknamed myself white chocolate. So, honey, get ready for some sweetness coming your way. <laughs> Try to contain yourself right now while I'm talking about it. Sorry. Just wait till later, okay? (laughs) I love my wife. I love being married. But I love being married not because we tied the knot on May 1st, 1999. That's not why I love her. Because anybody can tie the knot, right? The wedding is where you tie the knot. Marriage is where you tighten the knot. Marriage, day in, day in. Day out, sleeping in the same bed, sharing a bathroom, dropping off kids at school, picking up kids from piano recitals, soccer practice and basketball practice and orthodontist appointments. You tell what marriage is. Marriage is where you tighten the knot when two out of four of you have the flu. And the two that didn't get the flu are the two that don't know how to wash a dish or make cereal. That's where you tighten the knot. You know, the wedding is a beautiful day where everybody puts on their best and shows up ready to smile and celebrate, and they're all giving you gifts. And then you come back from the honeymoon and you realize, I've got to learn how to get along with this person here. That's where the knot is tightened. My grandfather was a World War II vet. He's been dead for uh, 17 years now. And uh, he, was as, <laughs> he was as country and southern and plain-spoken as anybody's ever been. And I, I said, Papa, I called him Papa. I said, I asked Shari to marry me, and she said, yes, do you have any advice for me? And he said a couple of funny things. He said, well, yeah, good for you. Every man needs a full-time boss. <laughs> Typical old man humor, right? And some of y'all women are like, oh, yeah, I'm married to one just like that. Um, and then he said, uh, do you like her? I said, I love her. Ask her to marry me. I love her. He said, I didn't ask you if you loved her. You might love her right now, but that's going to change. He said, I hope you like that gal because she's the one you're going to be with for the rest of your life. Hope you like her. That's where we tighten the knot in the day in and the day out in the arguments between she wants to go to the beach and you want to go to the mountains, in the arguments between she wants you to start cooking every once in a while, and you're like, I work hard enough as it is, and she gives you that look. That's where we tighten the knot. We tighten the knot when you go to the oncologist and you get a a bad report about white blood cell count. That's where you tighten the knot. You tighten the knot when both of you are on different career paths and you realize that your ambitions are pulling you apart from each other, and you see money and dollar signs and career ambition and success, but you realize that back home, you've got a little boy or a little girl or a husband or a wife, and you have to ask yourself, am I going to let this knot unravel, or am I going to tighten it? Am I willing to give up something I really want to tighten the knot in my marriage? Because here's the perspective that some of us have about the knot. Some of us want to avoid the knot, and I understand that because maybe some of you have never seen a great marriage that reflected Jesus and gave people joy and happiness and some people want to avoid the knot I wrote this in my notes some people just endure the knot maybe that's where you're at you're still married but you haven't had any joy or happiness in a long time and you know you just don't want to you just want to go through all the heartache of a divorce you don't want to do the paperwork and hiring lawyers and you don't want to split up the assets and there are tax benefits to remaining a couple and you're enduring the knot some people regret the knot Man, if I could do it over again, I would have never married him. I would have never married her. I look at all my old flames on Facebook and I just think to myself, what would my life be like if? And you regret the knot. Some people like to study the knot, they spend all their time reading about marriage. And other people like to explain the knot. And they want to talk about the ins and outs and the ups and the downs. And then some people like to try to unravel the knot, untie the knot, stepping out of bounds. I'm going to pause right now and say something I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say. There's somebody here at one of our campuses right now, you're having an affair. You're cheating on your spouse. And you think that you won't get caught. And I'm telling you, you have a choice. You're cheating on your spouse right now and you are untying the knot. Here's your choice. Confess or get caught. You are not alone. There is hope for you. Confess it today. And the gospel of Jesus Christ can restore what is broken. I don't know who that is for, but I'm telling you right now, you will get caught and there will be a price to pay. If you confess and you come to Jesus in humility, there will be hope for restoration and you will have a story to tell that people will lean in and listen to. Sin is always stupid and it will never ever satisfy you the way it promises when it lies to you. So we have some choices. I'm going to choose to tighten the knot. And I want you to come with me. We as a church are going to choose to tighten the knot. We're going to be a church that talks about how our core values play out in our marriages and relationships. And for those of you that aren't married, watch us. Learn from us. Help us. Hold us accountable. For those that are divorced and you are still struggling, we, we had a wonderful uh, meal yesterday with some friends And one of our friends that we shared a meal with is divorced and is open to whatever God has for their future and is praying. I believe we're going to see God create some new knots right here in our church, in people's lives who thought it was over and it was too late. I want you to tighten that knot. And for some of you that aren't married, here's what you can look forward to. If you do get married one day or if you don't get married one day, marriage is not the pinnacle of life. Knowing Jesus and belonging to his church, that is the ultimate. So you don't have to get married to be fulfilled. You realize that, right? As a matter of fact, if you go into marriage thinking that your spouse is going to be the source of your fulfillment, you have just doomed your marriage to a lot of unhappiness because nobody is big enough to satisfy you but Jesus. So we're going to tighten that knot. I, was, I shared this backstage before we came out, and this might just be for those of you that, that feel alone or, or you've lost a spouse or you're single right now, and you're like, man, is this series going to mean anything to me? Yes, it will. Let me tell you what the Lord showed me on Thursday. We had our all-staff meeting on Thursday where all of our staff from South Carolina come together here in Anderson and we get to spend some time together and it's just a beautiful time where we get to share with each other and we see the vision that God's given us and it was the last session and uh, Brad Cooper uh, was was about to stand up and share vision and, and, and preach and teach our staff and Brad and I were standing beside each other and um, someone was praying on the stage, one of the worship leaders, I think it was Adam Kirsch, was praying. And I just have this habit, it's just my Pentecostal background um, and also I think I think it's just it just makes me feel like I'm freed up. But a lot of times when we pray, I'll lift a hand, or sometimes I'll lift both hands. And and Brad is standing beside me, and it's just the two of us, there's two seats right there. And I raise my hand during prayer, have my eyes closed, and I'm just praying in agreement. That's a big thing to me. Is that when somebody's praying, we agree. We agree with them, we come along with them, we, we align with that faith. And and somebody's praying on stage, and I'm praying in agreement. And all of a sudden, I feel these these strong arms wrap around me under my arm, and it was Brad Cooper, my brother, my partner in ministry, my friend, and he wraps his arms around me, and I just took my arm down and put it around his shoulder. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm not trying to be, I'm really not trying to be overly dramatic. I, I wept backstage, telling. our our team before we came out here today. I literally shed tears because I had a a view, a vision, a picture in that moment when Pastor Brad just wraps his arms around me and I wrap my arms around him. This is what God is doing and will continue to do in our church because we don't really measure success based on the number of rear ends in seats The number of dollars given, we will measure success according to faithfulness, and we'll let the Bible tell us what a win is. And when brothers and sisters love each other, care for each other, take care of each other, feed each other, when they're there for each other in the toughest of times, that is a win. That's how you tighten the knot. And here's the view that I had: If husbands and wives... In marriages where the knot has become loose would just do what Brad did in that moment. Just make a move. Just reach out. The, the simplest word, just a brief, short word of encouragement, a handwritten note to your husband, a text to your wife. All it takes is a simple act of love. And that knot that might be unraveling can be immediately Tightened. But we got to be willing to touch each other, wrap our arms around each other, stand beside each other. And if we'll do that, the knot will be tightened. But here's where we all tend to fall into. We fall into this love pattern. First of all, we fall in love. And that's a good thing. It's not bad. God gave you attraction. God gave you emotion. The first time I I saw my wife, uh, she was 22 years old. And when I saw her, I said, Jesus, I want that one right there. And he heard my cry. So falling in love is a good thing, but that's just the first step in the love pattern. The second step that we can often fall into is we forget how to love. We fall in love, then we forget how to love. And it's so easy, isn't it, in the different seasons of life? Potty training and changing diapers and babies that won't eat and colic and RSV, right? And then finances and do you both work and there's maternity leave and, and, and who's going to be the main breadwinner and are both of you going to work and then there's daycare and then there's school and then there's do we buy the minivan and how can we afford it and then there's the house and we don't have enough room and do we have another kid and you know what, we get busy and we just forget how to love because love is not a noun, love is a verb. Love is more than something you feel, love is something you do. Amen. It's action, it's sacrifice. And then the third part of the pattern of love is we stop fighting for love. We fall in love. Life happens and we forget how to love. And then we stop fighting for love. But I'm going to tell you how we can reverse this. I'm going to tell you how we can reverse this. We can reverse this. It doesn't have to be this way. We can reverse this by doing this. Fall in love first. That's a great first step. That's how you tie the knot. Fall in love. Feel those emotions. Have the hard conversations. Date spend time together, get to know each other, do whatever you have to do to to do something with that love, fall in love first, and then fix your eyes on Jesus. Because if we take Jesus out of the equation of our relationships, then our relationships will always, listen, they will always devolve into seeking something for yourself. But when Jesus Christ is, as Hebrews 12, 2 says, I, I, actually, I actually have it right here. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the creator and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, suffering its scorn, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And if we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, He will give us the ability to fight for love forever. So don't fall into the pattern of brokenness, and if you have, let Jesus reverse it. Fall in love first, fix your eyes on Jesus, and then fight for love forever. Now, I didn't say fight with your spouse forever. I said fight for love forever. Can I give you some practical ways that you can do this? Just some practical ways here. First of all, um, Find out what your spouse, because a lot of people want to get super spiritual about this. And you know what? Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get practical. So husbands, figure out what your wife likes to do, and then don't be a baby. Go do it with her. Well, I don't like going to plays at the Peace Center. Well, your wife does, sir. Grow up and take your wife to the Peace Center to see Phantom of the Opera. I can use that example because I just did it last week. I did, and I'm so excited. You know what that did? It tightened the knot, and I can't get that stupid song out of my head. The phantom of the opera is here in my mind. Now she wants to go back and see the next one. There's like a part two, like Love Endures or His Love Endures Forever or the never-ending story that I have to keep buying tickets for. I don't know, but you know what my wife does? She does practical things for me. She lives in a house with all boys. Both of my sons are boys. We have a friend living with us who's a boy. (laughs) That came out funnier than I meant for it to be, but, um, and we have a boy dog. And so, listen, we're a basketball family, so if there's an NBA game on, everybody in my house is watching it. My wife could care less about the NBA, but she comes in and she sits on the couch, and now she played basketball growing up, but she doesn't follow it like we do, so she'll ask us questions about it. I bought tickets for her to go see Phantom of the Opera with me for Christmas, and then we gave our boys tickets to go see one game this year. LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to play the Hornets and beat them like it's their job, and we're going to go see. Like, we just, we do things together, and you know what? Things I used to hate doing, I now enjoy doing because I get to do it with my wife. She's taught me that. So get practical. Figure out what your spouse enjoys and do that with them. Go walk the dog together. Go see a movie together. We went to see Black Panther yesterday, and it is better than the hype. Better than the hype. That's a memory that we've shared. That's a memory we've created with each other. Get practical. Tighten the knot by fixing your eyes on Jesus and fighting for love forever. Because here's what we want, y'all. We all want a quick fix when God wants you to fight for it. No quick fix. But there is a first step. And for some of you today, that first step is just having a conversation. That first step is just talking to your husband or your wife. That first step is leaving the service and calling your spouse on the way home because they didn't come with you and saying, hey, I'm sorry for how I've treated you and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to tighten the knot. Marriage is no walk in the park. And for those of you that aren't married or have been married and currently are no longer married, we want you to see a realistic picture during this series and the EXO conference of what marriage looks like. But we also want to say it one more time. Not in this church, Satan. We're going to fight you, Satan. Not with the with the weapons of our own warfare, not with our flesh, not with our own strength. Here's how we're going to fight the enemy's attack on our marriages. We're going to tighten the knot by admitting we are helpless without Jesus and by falling on our faces before a loving God who promised that nobody could separate what he put together. We're going to lean into the gospel. We're going to trust God's promises. We're going to pursue uncommon unity. We're going to make bold moves like apologizing, repenting, and saying, I'm sorry, like making an appointment with a marriage counselor, like spending some of that money you've been sitting on for years to take your family on a vacation, like turning off the phone every night when you sit down at dinner, like sitting down at dinner instead of eating junk out of a cabinet or going to a fast food joint. We are going to do whatever it takes to fight by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit for the marriages that God promised no one could separate. And that's what this series is about, and that's what our church is about, and that's what God wants for you. You are not alone. There is hope. Marriage is awesome. But it's only awesome if we fix our eyes on Jesus. Would you pray with me right now at every campus? In just a moment, I'm going to hand it off to one of your leaders at your campus, one of your shepherds, and they're going to shepherd this moment across all of our campuses. But I want to ask everybody to do something right now before I hand it off uh, to your local dismissal and and the person that's going to shepherd you through this moment. Eyes closed, hearts open. I want us to have a moment together across our state. I want to invite you right now, eyes closed, hearts open. If you're sitting beside your spouse, would you reach over and grab them by the hand? And if you're not sitting beside your spouse, but you're sitting beside a friend, or maybe even someone you don't know, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to do this. But if you feel comfortable, would you just reach over and grab a friend's hand? You don't have to, it's up to you. And as we unite our hands and our hearts together across all of our campuses, would you just be willing to pray this right now to to Jesus? You can say it in your heart. Jesus, I need your grace. Help me reflect you in my relationships. Tighten the knot in my relationships. I will fight for my relationships. Jesus, bless our church. Bless our marriages. If they want to just look at me for a moment, we're going to hand it off to your campus right now where someone is going to come and shepherd you in a time of response right now.